Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hello, my name is Pastor Brad Mathias, and I want to welcome you to our Brilliantly Brave Parenting podcast. Hey, and I'm Robert. Brad, it's good to be with you today. It is good. Another episode. I'm excited about this one. Uh, Robert, just before we get started, I have a, you know, it's it's kind of a small offense that I need to confront you with. Okay. Good. You know, in families, you know, things occur where people do things and you're not supposed to let them fester, you know? Oh, okay. So it's something you need to get off your chest? Well, I think it's something you need to repent of. Oh, okay. Well, I'm curious. Uh, Often in families, people uh, borrow other people's clothes without asking. Mm. This happens a lot, teenage girls in particular. Um, you borrow your teenage girls? Outfits? No, no, I've just observed it. Uh. And it's very clear that you got in my closet and put on an Eddie Bauer jacket today without asking. So I'm curious <laughs> why you you're wearing had... my clothes. This is the second time in this season that I've found you wearing my clothes. I'm curious as to why this narcissistic trait that you have um, is— Oh, it's, is, about, it's about me. You're saying it's my problem that you stole my Eddie Bauer's jacket. That There are a lot of people that wear Eddie Bauer. And I just because so. I wear an Eddie Bauer, it's not a reflection on you or— it's I have not, worked with you 10 years. I've never seen you wear an Eddie Bauer anything. Mm, that's not exactly true. I think it is exactly true. I like Eddie Bauer. I've never had anything against Eddie Bauer. So what are you saying? I've worn Eddie Bauer for 10 years, and you're saying like you liked it, and suddenly now you're what? I, I, I Like I'm going to start cooking now. Is that what's going to happen? I'm going I'm to be might. like, oh, let's cook from scratch because that's my thing, and I want a pedicure too. <laughs> pedicure. <laughs> now – that's yeah. That's going a little far. I I I don't see you getting a pedicure, but no, I, was, I like Eddie Bauer. I've always liked it. I just found it on sale, and I'm not sure why this is relevant. But well, um, you know, in marriages, it seems like the longer people are married, the more they morph into each other. Mm, Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing it in my own. I'm going on 30 years. I'm starting to like things my wife liked, and yeah. she's starting. I feel like that's sort of happening a little bit here. Like uh, you're starting to like my stuff. And well, I, yeah, I do like it. I've, it's just never. I, I mean, maybe you're just. Insecure. Well, here's the reason I think it's true is because now I'm wearing funky socks. I was going to say that. So people who who can't see what we're talking about, you need to go on our YouTube channel and well, check this out. Put your shoe up on the on the thing because they're not yeah. going to see it. Well, I mean, I'm wearing funky socks, and I, I've never worn funky socks. And so but we're you rubbing always off on each other. wear funky socks, except so, for today. So today you're wearing Eddie Bauer and I'm wearing funky socks. And, and so I think what's happened is we're becoming each other. Lord help us. Frightening. Yes. All right. Well, today. I'm really glad we covered that, Brad. I'm well, sure that's enriching I, for people listening. I feel like people who've been following, this is our 81st episode. I think people who've been paying attention know we're not right. So That's very true. This is normal for us. Uh, brilliantly brave, tongue in cheek, right? This is not something. Hundred percent. Yeah, we're not confident as parents. We're two dads who have done everything wrong, and God still showed up in our kids' lives. Yes. So brilliant and brave for us is tongue in cheek. It's the least of what we have felt as parents, and I think there's no uh, scarier thing for some parents than to think of adoption. That's very true. And even though we are, you know, we've made all kinds of mistakes, we get the opportunity to talk to people that are brilliant and brave. And um, today is no exception. Exactly. Adoption See, that's is a, a great segue. You did good. Thank you, Brad. Today, we are in a really weird dynamic today. 
Well, it's, we had breakfast. That's so, true. Okay. Yeah, too much bacon. So today we have the honor, really, to have uh, one of the coolest ministries I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. on our show and a really amazing uh, spokeswoman, uh, Emily Chapman Richards. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting and your ministry show hope. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored to be with you guys. So glad that you could be with I want to be y'all's friend. I like the I like the banter. Can I join? Yeah, sure. you can. Yeah. Absolutely. As long as you make fun of Brad and not me. Oh, uh, not. Okay. I'll talk to you later about that. <laughs> That's in the contract. Yeah. Robert, you know, he has he hasn't taken his meds today, so just give it a little bit. He'll even right out. Actually, I have, and but it's really great for you. I'm, we're so glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about Shohub. We know, obviously, but for some listeners that may not have um, followed your path, share with us what you guys are about. Yeah, so um, my name, Emily Chapman Richards. I'm from Franklin, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. That's where the Shohub headquarters are. Um, are you in the Show factory is- just by chance? We are in the factory. That's what yeah. I thought. Okay. I'm sorry. Just a sidebar. Yes. Take your meds. <laughs> okay. Go on. Yeah, come, come to the hipster part of Franklin. It's the factory, which it's not historically been. The factory was not that way 10 years ago when we started officing out of here. Yeah. And when even new people entered the factory, but we did. Um, and so we're here still, which is great. Uh, Show Hope was co founded by my parents, uh, Mary Beth and Stephen Curtis Chapman. In 2003, really out of an experience that we had in expanding our family through adoption, I have two biological brothers, and then I have three younger sisters that were adopted from China in 2000, 2003, and 2004. Um, And so kind of in the middle of that experience and what was happening in our own family's hearts and and home, quite literally, uh, God planted, um, undeniably planted a seed and a dream in my parents' heart to see more Christian families be equipped um, to see through the adoption process. And the biggest barrier that we saw at that time and continues to be a big barrier for families is the financial cost that the adoption process is. Right. Uh, can range between twenty-five to $50,000 uh, easily. And just the process. And then we know a lot of our kiddos that come into our families through adoption um, have unique needs that um, may need to be addressed through Therapy or surgeries or whatnot. And so, kind of bring on that financial burden at the very beginning just to see through the process feels really overwhelming for a lot of families. And my parents just didn't, they couldn't sleep at night, more or less, to know that money was, was standing in the way of a lot of willing prospective adoptive families that would love to bring a child into their family and children that, um, needed a family and needed to know the, the love of Christ and what it looks like to to love and to be loved and to love God with your whole heart and to love others as yourself. And so that's kind of where the dream of Show Hope began. That is awesome. You know, I have a uh, first cousin who's more like my sister uh, who adopted a few years ago, and I have a godson now who uh, is, you know, the the joy of our life. So this idea of adoption is very personal for me. Uh, I've, I've observed it up front. And I think for some people, uh, it, it, it is sort of uh, a foreign idea. What, what is mm. it, 
you know, what is it that causes a couple to decide, you know what, I think we should adopt. And I, I want to go beyond the obvious, like infertility is obviously number, probably number one, but there's another layer here, isn't there, where people go, yeah. you know what, God's calling me to do something a little uncomfortable or maybe a little even risky. Yeah. No, I thank you for that question. That's a great question. And I do think I appreciate also acknowledging like the the hard and the struggle that a lot of parents do face when they come to wonder, is God doing something in our heart around the idea of expanding our family through adoption or even foster care? Um, my mom and dad were not immune to those same questions, mm -hmm. you know, same questions and fears, particularly my mom. And she writes very openly about that in her book and has spoken very boldly about it and, and just giving, I think, giving freedom for prospective adoptive moms and pops to, to really question like, okay, this will look different. It is a different parenting skill set. Our children come with different root systems. Let's acknowledge mm -hmm. that. Let's celebrate the differences, but let's also be prepared and ready mm -hmm. for what those different, those, di the different root systems grow different trees. <laughs> and like, how does, and that doesn't mean, um, that we're not both loved equally, me and my sister, but it's a different, it's just a different parenting skill set. And how does that look and how does that play out in the family? And, and what about my biological children and how is that going to affect them if, if you have biological children before you walk in the process? All those questions are super normal. Um, but what does what is that like turnkey for families that outside of what what you said, the obvious kind of reasons that bring a family to adoption? I think there's something particularly in the faith community, which a lot of some of my friends um, at at like a research firm in DC that do some research around adoption and why families adopt. Um, one of one thing that they're uncovering is because the adoption process is getting longer and kind of more laborious as intercountry adoption becomes increasingly difficult with Hague regulations and et cetera. What is a determining factor why families stay in this process longer through, you know, through a harder process, through a more expensive process. And one of the first factors is faith. It's people in the faith community that are staying in and standing up for kids. And I think you can't deny when you read scripture that Jesus is constantly leading a life and calling us to lead a life wherein we are, our eyes are open and aware of those that are on the margin of society. And mm. who who is more marginalized than children who don't have a community and a family and a point of belonging when that's like inherently what it means to bear the image of a relational God who is one in three. Like we're born to be in a family to experience that. And when that, when that is broken for a myriad of reasons, poverty, death, disease, and children don't have family, I think there is something in us as the people of God that feel like we have got to do all we can to work for children to find ethical and timely solutions to being in family. And I think that is what sort of the people we've seen through Show Hope rises up in people and go, okay, there's something deeper. There, It is a calling. There's something deeper here that integrate my faith and my lived life and how I'm going to live that out here. And I want to pursue caring for a child. Hmm. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, um, you know, if you bring in and adopt uh, children into a family that already has existing kids, yep. um, the impact on that isn't just a negative or a stress. There's also a positive to that, right? There's the idea that we're exposing to our children 
really the the global view of the gospel. This yep. idea that that Jesus called us to embrace the needs of widows and orphans, and James is saying that's true religion, you know, to yep. care for a widow and an orphan. And so that it's kind of like taking a mission trip, but in another sense, like the mission trip comes to your house, and you are engaging now mm. as children with a global view of evangelizing the world. Um, and I think that's a really, really important detail for families of faith to think about. It's there's a very positive, strong yeah. message that you're sending to your kids when you step into this world of adoption, isn't there? I'm looking yeah. at, at your bio. You went to Haiti at 11, and that was yeah. significant. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to travel with my youth group. My mom actually came as well with Compassion International to Haiti. And um, yeah, I was 11 years old, and we were going to we had a sponsored a child that was in living in Haiti at the time. And we went to meet her. Her name's Yvonne. I'll still, I'll never forget. You know, you always remember those really, really like piercingly impactful memories and moments in your life. And I knew I had a, I knew from a young age, I had this, this passion for justice in my heart. My, I, my mom and dad lost me in kindergarten after, after school pickup one day and they couldn't find me. And I was on the bus to go to aftercare with the kids whose parents were still working. And I was mm. like, I have to go help take care of my friends, mom. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, you almost gave us a heart attack. Yeah, let us know next time. Nobody in the school could find me because I wasn't meant to be on that bus, but I had decided I had self-selected to be on the bus because I needed to be. So I, from a young age, you know, it's just interesting how God wires you and will use that passion and what he has hardwired you to care about to change the world. And, and, and however big or small that may be, he is going to use that if it's your neighbor or it's an organization or whatever. And so from a young age, I wanted to go on a mission trip. I had the opportunity to go to Haiti and, I will never forget that experience. And it was the first time I had been outside of the country to a, you know, third world country and a developing nation and seeing the impact of extreme poverty. I was 11. So trying to like reconcile in my kid brain what it would be like as a kid to not know where I was going to go home to or necessarily know that I was going to have a next meal on the table taking education for granted and wrestling through that, all of that came up on this trip. And I came home from the trip and tried to convince my parents that we needed to become missionaries, <laughs> exactly what you just were talking about and move overseas. And they were like, you know, that was like not going to work with my dad's career at the time. <laughs> like that's probably not going to work. <laughs> so uh, I took a different tactic and I, I, I will say God clear. I know that I know that I know that God put, some passion in my little heart because I kept praying and I kept writing them letters and would leave them on their pillows at night and say, you have to consider adoption. If not, you could be living in disobedience to God's will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that. I also wrote a contract and had my brother sign it for how many diapers a day they would change. Like I've got everybody in, we're in it. Come on, mom and dad, wow. you can do it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that was a two-year process, and then that culminated in me asking for a meeting with our senior pastor, because so I'm like, I guess, well, not two years. That was a year and a half. I was about 12 when I asked for the meeting with Pastor Scotty Smith, and I and he's a board member now for Show Hope, which is hilarious, full circle, because he remembers. He goes, I remember 12-year-old Emily going, I am praying that my parents would, would consider adoption, and they are not hearing that 
that this is from the Lord and they're not moving on it. And the Bible says in John, ask in my, and in my name and it shall be given unto you. And I am asking and I'm praying and Scotty Smith, I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, well, it's clearly your will that you're, that you want your parents to adopt. <laughs> now we need to pray if it's God's will. And, and the show hope, thus the show hope story began and God began to move mighty in my parents' heart and, um, undeniably it was the Lord because they were not on board right off the bat. And then not once, but three times did we adopt and then right. show hope in the middle of it. They're busy people as if a nonprofit, they weren't looking to start a nonprofit, but families, Christian families that wanted to adopt that, that desperately wanted to expand their family and couldn't, couldn't afford to do so to date. We've given over $24 million away in adoption aid to 6,200 kids coming home from over 60 countries. Amazing. We never dreamed. We thought a hundred families, wouldn't that be amazing? And God has blown it out of the water and we have been privileged to just watch it unfold. That's so incredible. That story. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, so many of us, you know, God plants a seed and, 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 we hit barriers occasionally and, and we kind of go, well, maybe that wasn't something that God gave us. But I love the tenacity, even as a young girl, that you pursued this. That That's so encouraging. I know that what what you do is not just, you know, help the adoption process, but you yep. do post, uh, pre and post support. Um, yep. What are some of the issues that you see that, you know, the um, parents that have adopted are facing that maybe is, comes as a surprise to them? And, and what would you, how would you counsel them? And how do you counsel the people that do come to you for support? Yeah. So um, as we as we further as we stepped into helping families um, with the adoption process with the financial barrier, we realized that as we got in, not only did we want to support adoption, but we wanted to support adoption done well. Mm. And what that means is, I would say the the biggest thing, the biggest counsel I would offer families is start reading and start educating yourself around um, the impacts of complex trauma on, on the brain that happen at an early age, even before the before you get in the crisis moment, be reading and waiting and, 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 and knowledgeable. And so what we do at Show Hope is we started simply because we didn't have a, a big budget back 10 years ago when we realized, oh, we can't just throw people in the deep end and say, hey, have fun swimming. <laughs> like right. we need, there's some life preservers. Let's give you some life preservers. Know where the life preservers are and then access them when you need them. Um, and so we, we designed our adoption aid application with questions that say, are you familiar? We work closely with the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development at TCU um, with some of their work in trust-based relational intervention and really just an understanding that, and what I believe as a Christian, God has hardwired our body and our brains for relationship. Mm. And at an early age, when, when you experience loss, if it might not even go as far as neglect abuse, but even if you lose biological mom and dad or attachment to that primary caregiver, there's a sadness and there's a brokenness there. And that is going to have an impact on your brain and, and your biology and it can impact your belief system. But the most beautiful thing about the way God's created our bodies is that sadness that happens in relationship is healed in relationship. And so you as a parent, as an adoptive parent, knowing and understanding that what the what what your child experienced before they came to your home may will have an impact somehow and play out in their life you're knowledgeable you have a skill set to address that um 
with with some different principles that we teach through a, a conference that we have every year called Empowered to Connect Conference that um, you can attend or simulcast. We simulcast it at your church. There are tools to help your child heal and thrive and flourish. And the beautiful thing is it all happens in relationship exactly how God designed it to be, right. you know? So it's that Imagine redemptive that. narrative, even amidst the brokenness of the loss and the sadness. Yeah, I love that. What What are some things that um, those of us that have not adopted, What are there things that we can do to support parents that have, have adopted kids? I mean, we don't necessarily think, it doesn't, it's not the front of my mind. So what are some of the things that we can do to help people that have adopted from around the world, yeah. even domestically? That is a great question. I think awareness of those in your community um, is the first, is a first step of just like, Hey, can we bring you guys a meal? Hey, how are you? Hey, you guys like, can we help? What can we do to help just opening the dialogue and just making sure that you, yet your friends or those in your community that have adopted or are foster caring know that you're there, you see them, that you're wanting to know how you can help, that you're making yourself available. I, another thing that I would love um, to see more happening in the church and communities is the more that we become aware of some of these principles, these trust-based relational intervention principles or ways to help to help. Um, children find secure attachment because a child isn't yes parents are the primary like umbrella under which they're getting all their the positive in, input yeah. but so many people touch the life of a child educators coaches medical professionals psycho psychologists like dance teacher like all all of those individuals touch the life of the child so if you're if you have interaction to some degree with a child if you're a sunday school teacher like the Empower to Connect simulcast is a great resource that unpacks the in two days at a very accessible level for the lay person, for the normal person. Hmm. Although the two of you aren't normal, so I don't think it would work for y'all. But <laughs> for sure, um, <laughs> the normal people. It it unpacks how the brain is designed, impacts of trauma on the brain, and how there are some real simple tool sets we can put in our belt to help children in moments where they're dysregulated. How do we help them calm down? That doesn't, doesn't flip their lid in their brain to go to fight, flight, or freeze because that's such on high alert for a mm. lot of our kids because they had to be that way before they came to survive. And so what can we like, if I'm a coach and I'm like, ah, you know, you did that wrong, go run five laps. And you send a child who has a history of neglect to go run five laps and they feel isolated, that could trigger something that we're not even thinking through our lens of like, ah, you're good. You got a stronger root system, go run five laps and come back. That's just a simple example yeah. of like, Oh, maybe like, maybe there's a different way to do that. That's not going to put them in like, Oh no, I'm being, I'm feel isolated in this moment. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think communities being more and more aware of how we can, how we can all be trauma competent or fluent in the effects of trauma. And, and by the way, we all carry trauma, like not just like we all have it. It's just part of being in the, it's part of being here on this side of eternity and impacts of the brokenness of sin in our world. And so it's helpful, I think for all people, but particularly helpful for communities that are supporting families that have, have adopted. You know, I'm listening to her, Robert, and I'm thinking, you know, family may plunge into this world. They may pray and prepare, save their money, get into adopting a child or multiple children, 
really as a ministry, as a, as a sort of the outpouring of their heart to someone. Mm-hmm. And they're going to need support. They're going to yeah. need a community of faith that understands the unique struggles and the different parenting skills required for the non-biological child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, I'm sort of, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, like, there must be hundreds and hundreds of things that families who have adopted deal with that families who never adopted don't. And mm-hmm. so both the church and the community around them really do need to be a part of this team, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think some of our, I think we have had good, good theology in underpinning um, getting into the adoption process. Like we are adopted. God has adopted us, has given us a spirit of adoption and that is how we're welcomed into the family of God. Mm. And yet I think there's even, there's even more beauty to be discovered in like, even in how John unpacks what it means. We are children of God and yet he's given us the power to become children of God. Sanctification doesn't just like the, this moment we say a sinner's prayer, it's like, and done. Good. You're good to go. Like it is a process. See, over- I told you, Robert, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, sorry. A, it's a lifelong process that we need the body of Christ. There's a reason we have churches and communities to help us remind ourselves that yes, I am a child of God. And what it means to be a child of God is to live this way is no different for our families that are welcoming children home from hard places. And quite frankly, parenting their own biological children to go, this is a process and we're all in it together. We are all in it together. You are, if I welcome a child home through adoption, you are a Richards from moment one, and you are learning what it means to be a Richards the rest of your life. And (laughs) You know, <laughs> sure. And I, I think that uh, we can sort of get excited. There's a little bit of a sort of an emotional burst, you know, when you step into something new and you're there's a freshness to it. And, and then there's the reality of what did I just do and what am, what have I committed myself to? I imagine there is a need for support and encouragement for yes. families when the going gets tough, so to speak. Yep. Um, how that that has to be really more uh, familiar to you now that you have kids of your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a pastor, so I always get around to that sort of practical application part of the sermon. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, how has that affected you? I mean, you've been Being sort of front yourself. and center on this sort of adoptive ministry platform of Show Hope, and now all of a sudden you're a mom. Mm-hmm. How's that yeah. affected your view of, of adoption? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, well, uh, a lot of ways has it impacted parenting is really hard. And I didn't, I were actually here. I'll tell you this story. When my, when my oldest was like 18 months old, my mom, like she was dying to be a grandma, like just dying. Like you have to have babies. You have to have babies. Like have babies fast. Come on. I want to be a grandma. And I'm like, my Lord, mom, I love you, but give me a little space. Like, and my husband and I, we were married three and a half years before babies came along, but it's, we would have probably planned a little bit longer, but three and a half years. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. And um, and I remember very distinctly walking in when Eileen, our oldest, was 18 months, and I threw to my parents' house for dinner, and I threw my diaper bag across the room in her general vicinity, not at her, but just kind of in her general area. And I said, why didn't you tell me this is so awful? <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> laughing because my daughter has an 18-month-old, and she's pregnant. So okay. I, mm-hmm. I am, she's right. This is, you're speaking to my daughter, Bethany. So keep going. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, like, 
this is so hard. Like all of it, I'm tired. I'm like mentally, I'm like, whoa. And so to think through, I, I literally can't imagine our family, the, the stories. I have had a front row seat on my parents' adoption journey and what it's looked like to help my sisters be rooted and flourish as part of our family and the struggles they continue to have and the questions even as 19 and 16 year olds of biological mom and was I wanted and what does that mean and how does that impact me as a young adult woman and all of, I mean, I'm watching it unfold and now, but as a parent going, whoa, mom and dad, you are incredibly brave for taking this, taking this calling seriously and pressing in. I don't know at this current juncture, my mothering bucket is full. I don't know what God has in our future, but it would be, I would have to reorient life pretty drastically to have the depth of what it needs to, to love um, most fully presently as possible, a child who comes home through adoption. And so I have a much greater appreciation for the fact that my parents gave into my campaigning at a young age. I have a greater <laughs> appreciation for families that are stepping into this. And yet I feel like it is a call that God gives. And when God gives that call, the families that step in are unbelievable, amazing, and what an opportunity for those of us that aren't adoptive parents to to really rally around and go, this is this is all of us. This is us, this community adopting this child. So how do we support you as being on the front lines? Hmm. Robert, I get the sense we could go a long time on this topic. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're about out of time. But where can people find you and more information about Show Hope? People can find me at a coffee shop. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> That's where the, the hiding under my bed going, how do I do this parenting moment? Um, uh, no, I'm teasing <laughs> you. If people can find show hope, uh, showhope.org. We're on Facebook backslash show hope, Instagram and Twitter at show hope. You can find us anywhere there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to connect with you. Me personally, I've got a Facebook page, Emily Chapman, Um, from time to time, I've got blogs up there when I've got spare time between, uh, mothering primarily loving my husband well and, um, and working here at show hope. So from time to time I have blogs up, but would love to connect. Would love for you to be part of the Show Hope family. Anybody listening, we have great ways for your family to get involved. Um, we, we have what we call our fundraisers that do everything. Whatever your family loves and is good at, everything from bake sales to kayak tournaments to, to lightsaber duels to raise money for Show Hope. Whatever you might be passionate about, would love to get you involved in your family. Um, and so please reach out to us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emily, for taking time. We just love the ministry, your heart, and um, and all that your your entire family have given to so many people. We're just uh, honored that you took time to be with us today and grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless, and have a great day. We are excited to announce the Storms of Life study, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. It's a great subtitle, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know that students are stressed. And for parents and pastors, it's important to know what are the top three things that are really on the minds of our kids. So Brad, walk us through what they can expect from the Storms of Life. 
This is an eight-week study. It has uh, video insights. It has uh, presentations from an actual youth retreat with junior high and high school students. These kids are going to learn about how their faith can help them fight back the stress that they're living with every day at school. Check it out on iShineLive.com. Well, I was refreshed by that interview, Robert. I agree. You know, it's one of those things when as you get older, and I'm not saying we're old, but we're older than we were. And, you know, you look at these young younger uh, men and women who are stepping into the leadership roles. Yeah. In important places. Mm-hmm. And we just talked with one. She's... Uh- Yeah, I was very impressed with her. And it's interesting, you know, coming from a family that's so well-known, like Stephen Curtis Chapman has been around and given so much to the music industry. And, you know, you it's easy for a child of someone that's celebrity to kind of step into the role and like, this is Stephen Curtis Chapman's daughter. But she held her up. I mean, she is her own person. It's remarkable to me how much um, drive and focus and passion she has you know, regardless, it doesn't matter where where she came from. It's it's really her. God has planted her like so firmly with purpose. It's incredible that she campaigned at eleven years old to get. Huh. You know, I mean, it's just it's her thing. A lot of times when you talk to kids from celebrities, it's like, well, you know, my dad used to do this, my dad did this, and and you know, obviously she honors her, her parents, but man, God started something in her, regardless of who her parents are. Yeah, and I. I was laughing because here's this, you can just see it, right? This 11, 12-year-old girl yeah. writing notes every day to her parents. Well, and then calling a meeting God. with the senior pastor. Yeah, and to obey God. You need to obey God. This is this is his. If my daughter ever like called our senior pastor and said, hey, we need to have a sit-down, <laughs> like, oh, talk. my goodness. What oh, have I done? Man. I. Part of me just so respects the heck out Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And obviously that was God. Yeah. You know, obviously that wasn't just the whim of an mm-hmm. 11-year-old girl. Right. That, that was a seed that was planted by the Holy Spirit on a trip to Haiti. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how God does that stuff. It's it is amazing. Really, really inspiring. And that was such a good reminder for us, you know, on that haven't adopted to show support and and love on those parents that are heroically um, pulling other people into their families and loving them like Christ loves them. And, and so we, we need, it's not an easy load. I mean, that's something that's, it's a blessing to their family, but it's not without challenges. And so I can do a better job of um, supporting and loving on the people that I know have adopted. And because it is, it's a tough road. It's a good reminder for us. It really is. And I, you know, as I uh, was thinking about it, what a practical ministry that they've started and have kept up with. Um, She said $24 million has been raised for Mm -hmm. 6,400 families, I think, in over 60 countries or something. It was a a significant stat. And we'll have that on our show notes. But at the end of the day, they're raising money to help people adopt kids. Mm -hmm. And support them before and and after. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as you think about that, you may be a family and you're listening and you're like, you know what, I'm I'm past the age of adopting kids or I'm too young to adopt kids. I mean, you may not be in that window of life where this this necessarily would be practical, but you might feel led to give some funds 
to yeah. this ministry to help others who are feeling right. led to do that. And it gives us all an opportunity to participate in whatever stage or, or season of life we find ourselves in. That's right. That you can you can do something tangible to be a part of the process of, of adopting. Yeah. So we'll have all the information in the show notes and how you can get involved with what Show Hope is doing. Um, but it's it, such a great reminder and so refreshing to hear her point of view. Well, uh, for those who have been listening along, we just spoke with Emily Chapman Richards. She is the uh, executive director at Show Hope, and she is uh, passionate about orphan care and adoption, and we have been blessed by her presence on the show today. Robert, tell them how they can follow us on uh, social media. <laughs> I'd be happy to, Brad. How's <laughs> <laughs> was that for a rough segue? Yeah, Smooth, Brad. Um, we, in all sincerity, would love it if you could be involved in our community. Um, on any podcast platform that you are that you use, just subscribe to the podcast. That way, every week you'll get uh, a new episode and stay informed with what's going on in Christian culture and parenting and families. Whatever the dynamic that you will experience as a family, you can be sure that we're going to be um, discussing it. Because that's, a, you know, we may not have all the advice in the world. We certainly don't. But we are committed to going out and finding um, the wisest people that we can with all the uh, issues that parents face. So um, the best way to stay in touch with us is to subscribe to our podcast. And uh, if you think about it, rate, say something kind and give us a four or five stars. And uh, Five, just five. Five is good. Five is good. But it means a lot to us, not just for our ego's sake, but in getting the word out there about what we're doing. Yeah, and also it takes you know a village, as they say, to not only raise kids, but also to run a podcast. And so this uh, podcast is brought to you by the Tween Gospel Alliance in partnership with iShine Ministries and several other ministries. Mm -hmm. uh, so go to our partner page at brilliantlybraveparenting.com and check out some of the partners that we are working with who may have a movie or a resource or even coffee that you could enjoy and also advance the kingdom of God. That's right. Thanks for spending some time with us today. We'll see you here again next week. Thanks and God bless. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they, they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Hey, Robert, we've got some new stuff in the web store. Tell me about it, Brad. It's our very own swag. 
really absolutely brilliantly brave now has its own line of caps cups clothing yeah everything man we got swag dog sweaters uh i don't know about the dog sweaters yet but we can work on it okay so if you're a fan and you've been listening brilliantly brave and you want to share it with your friends let them know that you're a supporter hey come to our website ishinelive.com and find out more